Well, hey you, hello there, every person everywhere. Well, hello again, everybody. I hope you're doing well out there. This is Lynn. I am every person, and I am your host for every person everywhere. Stuff that you can relate to, hopefully. So, in another adventure on things that you can actually relate to and alternate realities and alternate worlds, I have to first make an announcement. Based on the conversation that we all had two episodes ago, in which I was talking about the nostalgia of childhood video games and especially online role-playing games such as RuneScape, I have decided to finally bite the bullet and go back and make a RuneScape account. Now, I've already gotten up to 500 total level, which is not very easy to do on free-to-play, but I'm limiting myself to free-to-play until it is pretty much physically impossible or just downright painful to go on to pay-to-play, because when you go paid subscription for members... I would say 97% of the updates for RuneScape that come out are for members only, and there's a lot of content. There's so much to do in RuneScape now that it's so easy to get lost, and I have ADD, so it's a good idea that I don't bump stock into that just yet. So, the goals I have for my account is to get up to 40 attack, 60 strength, 50 range, 99 magic on free-to-play, and to hopefully get all of my other skills to at least level 50 or 60. And hopefully in the next few days I'll be completing Dragon Slayer, which is the final free-to-play quest that I need to complete before I can say that I've beaten all the free-to-play quests. I actually did all of the quests previously at level 17, so very low combat level, as a mage, um, pretty much in one day. So, yeah, the only reason why I'm stuck now is because I am notoriously bad at flinching bosses, or else I would try to flinch Elvarg, who is the dragon that you need to kill for Dragon Slayer, and killing her is very, very annoying when you're a low level, um, and especially when you're a mage. It's a 75% accuracy reduction, a 50% reduction for range, but none for melee, so I'm actually training melee up to um, at least 30 strength and at least 40 attack so that way I can go back in and try and do this the right way. So, obviously, with RuneScape and other games like this, there's a lot of mechanics, but a lot of it becomes very easy when you learn the ins and outs of the game, the ins and outs of the world, and you play it long enough. Which brings me to another game with a lot of mechanics and a lot of things that take a long time to learn if you're not careful. But if you're very tactful and didactic, then there's a beautiful game waiting for you called Dungeons and Dragons. And today I'm here to talk to you about my story with Dungeons and Dragons. So, for the longest time I'd always had a massive respect for D&D because D&D has inspired pretty much every fantasy game out there. It came out in 1974 as a way for some very bored college students at the time to become the Wizards of the Coast and create their first campaign where they raided a goblin village on the coast and 
then crawled through a dungeon, and then fought a dragon living in the depths of the dra- uh, of the dungeon, and that became Dungeons and Dragons. Pathfinder came out not too long after that, as sort of a complement to D and D, and something that you can do that's related to D and D, but with a little bit less mechanics. So, so, so many things carry over between the two, though, insofar that I believe Wizards of the Coast actually owns that now, as well as D&D Beyond. So, what is Dungeons & Dragons? Well, it's a tabletop role-playing game, so it's sort of like a board game, but with role-playing, and extra rules, extra mechanics, and there's more to do than just moving your pieces around the board. Dice and cards and tokens and board pieces are still very much encouraged and very much a part of it. However, if you have a strong enough imagination, you don't even really need any of that nowadays. I mean, your combat scenarios can be run entirely with the imagination and a DM who's very good at presenting a good story. And it, it makes it much more fun and accessible for people to play. Insofar that nowadays there are lots of groups that aren't even run in person. There are a lot of groups now that are run entirely online or run via Zoom. Critical Role, for instance, during the pandemic, they switched everything over to online. And Matt Mercer, the DM, would share his screen whenever they needed something, like whenever they needed to see what this NPC looked like or what the battle zone looked like or if there was any difficult terrain or different terrains pertaining there too, but otherwise, they are very imaginative voice actors that did it almost entirely from imagination. Um, there's many figures that basically represent, like, your Monopoly tokens, and honestly, you could modify a Monopoly board to be your D&D playing field pretty easily. You just draw in a couple extra grid spaces, and there you go. It's a waste of a Monopoly board, in my opinion, when you could literally just use, like, a dry erase board or a piece of paper, but still. Dungeons and Dragons started as a board game with role-playing, and now it is so much more than that. It is one of the most comprehensive imaginative games you could ever get into. It is one of the nerdiest things you could ever get into as well, but the thing is, you don't need to be a nerd to get into D&D at all. All you need to do is have an innate respect for the world of fantasy, which... Honestly, I feel like everybody does. If you've watched Once Upon a Time, Riverdale, Rick and Morty, anything that's based in non-reality, anything that has magic and whimsical creatures, then you can respect and get behind D&D. It doesn't take much to start. It takes maybe a couple of hours to learn everything you need to know to be up and running on your first character. But it takes a lifetime to master. I've been playing for a year now myself, and... Even so, there are so many things that I'm still learning. Even as I am a dungeon master for one-shot campaigns for some of my friends, which I've taken upon myself to do, like, there is so much more to learn as you go along. And it's the minor things, too, right? It's how different terrain and different worlds and different planes of existence and religions and politics and factions affect your characters, who you are, what you do, how different allegiances and alliances affect what you do. None of this is necessary for a one-shot, which is why I feel comfortable enough to run a one-shot campaign. However, D&D takes a lot more time and dedication to learn those different terrains and mechanics, and honestly, a couple of Google searches and a couple of well-written notes 
and you can run your campaign pretty much anywhere with any setting and between sessions you can always research more things or maybe your player tried to do something and you shot it down just because you didn't know enough well you can always go and teach yourself more and vice versa if you're the player and you're trying to think of other fun ways to engage the world there are so many things to do at first it seems overwhelming just because there are a lot of numbers and figures involved however it's very easy when it comes down to it to make sense of the world around you so how I got into D&D, before I'm talking about how you can get into D&D, is I was, I think, 18 years old, something like that, and a couple of my friends, either from high school or college, all got together and they played D&D, and I said, I've always wanted to learn, can you show me? Because I heard of D&D from, like, South Park and other things that have made fun of it, but you know, throughout the years, I became more interested in it because obviously it's so inspiring that so many different things use it as their sort of base game. Like RuneScape that I talked about last time was inspired directly by D&D. And the world itself is a very immersive sort of playoff of D&D. So <clears throat> I found my first group <clears throat> and we played like twice. I forget what I was. I might have been a rogue or a fighter. We might have played like twice. I don't remember there being any combat whatsoever. So I effectively was a new player when I met my girlfriend. And she introduced me to D&D because her brother was a dungeon master that ran a session out of her house, which is now our house, but still. So uh, he ran the sessions... And I asked both of them, like, if I pick a class that doesn't double up with whatever other people have done, can I come in? And he said, sure. And I said, cool. And then the first class I ever played, literally, I made it extremely difficult on myself. Because a druid and a ranger, they're both very difficult first-time classes to play. Because the hidden mechanics of wild shape plus magic plus... Everything else that has to do with the base game of D&D, like, I made it incredibly hard on myself being that kind of character. But I've since learned so much more because of it. So, <clears throat> if you choose to play a spellcaster your first time playing, just be warned, there's a lot of extra mechanics of spells that you're going to need to learn the ins and outs of. But, aside from that, it's not all that bad, really. So... I started as this druid-ranger hybrid uh, from the Feywild, so including a different plane of existence on my first character as well, who followed a very strange old god, which included the religion aspect of things, to be very weird. And then, of course, I chose to be a Feywanderer and a wildfire druid to get extra spells, extra magic, and extra buffs, but when you don't know anything about D&D and you have to remember what all these spells and buffs are, it becomes very difficult. Obviously, I've gotten very proficient and adept at my character now, but it wasn't always like that. So, where do I go from here in this conversation? Well, my character is leveled up twice in this campaign now. We have explored many different worlds, slayed many different creatures gotten wasted or high at many different events in-game, and uh, 
so on and so forth. But honestly, I could do an entire podcast on just the ins and outs of D&D and what to do, what not to do. So really, the bare minimum to play is a sheet of paper, a pencil, an open mind, and a set of dice. Normally, your dungeon master will have extra dice, but it's always encouraged to bring your own. Snacks are always encouraged to bring to share as well, because, I mean, sessions can go for four or five hours sometimes if you're really into it and not paying attention. Um, And especially if you're doing something that it wouldn't make sense to break up the session in the middle of. Um, It involves a decent amount of paying attention. Sometimes you can, you know, have fun. Some people show up and they have booze or they have weed or whatever. Um, And these are all things that you clear up as a dungeon master before ever immersing your players into the world because you want to clear up the, the expectations and, like, what everyone wants to get out of it. Once again, there are so many different mechanics to remember, to play around with, to explore... The basics really are, if you look at your character sheet, on the left side of your sheet you have your ability scores which indicate what you can and can't do fundamentally as a character. These ability scores influence and give information and insight to your skills which are different things you use to interact with the world around you. For instance, if I want to befriend an animal, I would roll a check for anything I want to do involving a skill or a feat, and I would roll an animal handling check, and depending on how I roll, if I roll really well, I might be able to befriend that animal. If not, the animal might uh, not like me or even attack me. And then, of course, uh, really good and really bad rolls are rewarded accordingly, so a natural one on the d20, and you're most likely going to fail miserably and then some, maybe injure yourself or others. If you roll a 20, then it's going to be rewarded with, uh, it's going to be, it's, you know, it's going to be rewarded with some fervor, and it's going to be rewarded with maybe some critical hits, maybe you, uh, win and then some, so maybe you're in the process of trying to steal some dragon's gold, and you have to roll a sleight of hand to pick its pocket, and you roll a 20, and you not only pick some gold, but you pick off, like, some of its scales and maybe some armor that was laying under it as well, you know? So, there's so many mechanics to D&D that you just kind of have to immerse yourself in, and be open to learning, and yeah, so, the basics that you need to know is combat, Ability scores, ability checks, saving throws, everything is based off of a d20. Encounters can be determined with a d4, 6, 8, or percentage check accordingly. If you're in a massive shop, you might use the percentile check for what item you find that speaks out to you or something like that. You could use these dice to, instead of coming up with a character, you could roll for your character. So... You're a bard with a chaotic good alignment. Well, instead of choosing a flaw or an ideal that is based off of this a chaotic good, and you're not getting um, very creative with this character, you can use the dice to help you. But remember, the dice giveth and the dice taketh away. Normally what the dice say goes unless you have certain feats that allow you to re-roll your dice. So choose wisely whenever you decide that you're going to roll for anything, because 
it could make or break your experience. And obviously the DM can call for a check as well if they think it's going to make or break the experience. And a good dungeon master should be prepared for what happens if literally everybody succeeds or literally everybody fails on their checks. So, that's a lot of bare bones information on D&D. You can play as a spellcaster, as a charmer, you can play as somebody who's sneaky and steals, you can play as somebody whose one job is to hit things with a really big stick or hammer, you can play a monastic individual, you can play a druid, you can play a massive spellcaster, somebody who sacrificed their soul to the devil, metaphorically or literally speaking, for their magic abilities. There are so many different options of ways to play, there are so many different settings as well. There is the general overworld of D&D, the Wizards of the Coast, is created. Or you could find somebody who's created their own world, created their own maps, created their own story, made their own story arc. Maybe they take place in the world, but they don't follow any specific set story that was written before. There's plenty of free and paid content out there that you can access to play. But maybe you don't want to do any of that. Maybe you want to forge your own way. Maybe the DM railroads you a lot. Maybe the DM or the Dungeon Master. Maybe he lets you kind of do whatever you want and he'll mold the story as you go along and he becomes more of a storyteller. It really just depends. And it really just depends on what you find and what you're after. So, how do you get involved if you want to try this out? Well, in my case, I had a lot of friends that actually always wanted to try D&D myself included. I just didn't have the experience to know how to run a D&D game or campaign. I'd read a lot and studied a lot, but I didn't know what to do. I lucked out by finding my girlfriend, and um, well, for more ways than one, but in this case, I lucked out because she's a druid in a D&D campaign with her brother at her house, so I had direct access to it. And then as soon as I started posting on my Facebook and Snapchat and Instagram stories about playing D&D, more and more people came out of the woodworks and said, hey, I've always wanted to try D&D. So I put together a few of my friends, and we, uh, we made it happen. So way number one to get involved is just ask on social media. Say, hey, anybody into D&D, I want to give it a shot. And maybe you'll find somebody who either plays in a campaign or knows somebody who plays in a campaign. And all of a sudden, you've got 20 people that are all wanting to do D&D with you, which is what happened to me. And then one person refers you to another, to another, to another. In so far that now I'm going to be starting and playing campaigns and stuff with people that I've never met or seen before or heard of in my life. But... D&D brought us all together, just like in other days I talked about how judo brought us together, just like religion brings people together, just like politics can bring people together. Uh, if you go to any sort of renaissance or fairy festival or medieval times festival, you will normally find at least one tent dedicated to tabletop games. So go to events, comic-cons, fairs, uh, social endeavors, you might just luck out and find a group. If you go to a game store, there's usually postings on, like, a chalkboard or a cockboard there, or a corkboard of, like, I'm starting a campaign, or this campaign is in session, but we welcome new players. Uh, there's a website called Roll20, which you can have free or paid subscription to, to allow you to play with people online. There's obviously, you know, word of mouth and having a friend tell a friend. Maybe it's a coworker that plays. Maybe you literally just put an announcement on your newsletter and at work, like, hey, I want to start a D&D &D campaign. I have no idea what I'm doing, but neither does anybody else. We'll figure out who's doing what within this world, and we'll all do it together. 
Now, it's always recommended that at least one player have experience with the game before you start. However, that doesn't always need to be the case. You know, you, you can easily play D&D as a dungeon master, even the person running the shots, having never played. And the only basis you're going off of is pages upon pages of notes. As long as you're well organized, you can make it work. And honestly, you could play D&D with ghost NPCs, so the dungeon master or one of the players could control two characters or three characters that help out the party, alongside whatever the mess is. There are certain scenarios, usually one-shots, where you could play without a structured approach to dungeon mastering, where everybody understands the material. Obviously, there's no loose-end surprises or anything fun like that, but... You're setting a challenge or a goal that you want to overcome, and everybody's getting involved. Or, you could have a dungeon master that's overzealous, and they are a dungeon master who is a strict dungeon master, but they also have a warlock or a cleric that they've thrown into the, the mix of your, your characters, uh, which leads to some very fun conversations where you have basically Smeagol situation from Lord of the Rings going on, where the dungeon master is talking to you, one minute, then he's talking to one version of himself, then talking to the other version of himself, the Dungeon Master's character interacting with the NPCs. It really just depends. So get some feelers out there. Maybe look on Meetup or Nextdoor or other online websites that are meant to connect people. And there are so many different ways, as long as you are able to resourcefully reach out and ask for them and try to acquire them. There's so many different ways to get involved in the world of D&D. So this is definitely stuff that you can relate to, because there are so many different things out there. And obviously, you know, you could be playing in a campaign that is meant for a bunch of newcomers, and you're literally just going to uh, claim some treasure back from some imps or some goblins or some orcs. Or you could be very experienced players, or you could be the new player joining the experienced players, or vice versa. There's a little bit of something for everybody in the world of tabletop RPGs. And if Dungeons & Dragons isn't your speed, that's okay. There are so many other games like Gloomhaven and others that are designed to be like D&D but not like D&D. Where you can do everything you need to do in one fell swoop sometimes. Or you have a campaign and the roles are a bit different. There's a tabletop RPG version of Bloodborne and Dark Souls now. There's one for Rick and Morty. There's a D&D campaign based off of the world of Stranger Things. There are so many different things for so many different people. All you have to do is look. So, go on there, fellow travelers, fellow adventurers. Get out there, explore the world of D&D, have some fun with it, whatever you do. But until next we speak on whatever I decide I'm going to speak to you next about, I add my beautiful silence.